Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sankang Namasami <clears throat> Yesterday I another Bodhi spoke about uh, Sila Samadhi and Panya, about the three parts of the Noble Eightfold Path. And um, for those who are not aware, sila is ethics, samadhi is uh, stability of mind, sometimes also translated as, as concentration, but it's kind of too limited a word actually. And panya is wisdom. And you know, this uh, noble eightfold path is, is like a, you know, a template for the whole teaching. Uh, of early Buddhism, and uh, it sometimes is compared, you know, to the path to an ancient city which has been, you know, overgrown by the by the jungle, and which has been uh, the Buddha found that path to that ancient city. So he hasn't invented it, but he he found it because it was already always there. But it was, you know, people had forgotten about it. And then when he was uh, practicing, he rediscovered it and then made it available. And, you know, we are practicing or we are trying to practice this path as, as good as we can. And, you know, and if we don't stop practicing and if we are, you know, don't give up, don't collapse and don't strive. Then one day, you know, we're gonna arrive uh, at this ancient city, you know, which is like a synonym for for nibbana. And uh, you know, that has something very comforting to me. You know, thinking that you know it's going to be. And inevitable, you know, to arrive at the ancient city if we don't give up practicing, because sometimes, you know, it it's, uh, looks like very far, you know, one experiences very confused and 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 maybe very painful and feeling hopeless and all of this. I'm sure you have experienced that too. But knowing, you know, that even all of these emotions and feelings and this comes up, but still, you know, knowing that we are going, or at least, you know, we are looking in the right direction is, is very good to know, I think. And, uh, you know, when we are caught up in this uh, net of delusions, you know, which you know, gives us this kind of experience of, of being a, a separate self, you know, in, a, in the world. 
it's it's sometimes very very um, disheartening at, at certain points of of the practice, and you know I can I can recognize that in my own experience and also. You know, when when I speak with people who come to the group practice discussions, you know that sometimes it all it all feels like so far out of out of reach, and uh, you know, being able to um, remember that actually, you know, the practice is is not very complicated in terms of. Uh, of the Noble Eightfold Path, but then you know when we when we kind of meet our own experience, we we very quickly get um, you know kind of feels like being in a washing machine, you know, tumbling, tumbling around. They don't anymore know where is up and down and left and right and all of that. And uh, you know, you've I've hung up a little poster out there in the. Uh, in the foyer about the five hindrances because you know these five hindrances are that which hinders our mind from seeing clearly and you know they can be either you know very lightly present or very very strong and it's very, very important to recognize, you know, when we are caught up in one of those five hindrances. And as soon as we recognize that, you know, that, that one of the hindrances is present, then at that moment, you know, we can use the very hindrance as a, as a means for, for practice. Because we can, you know, we can attend to the hindrance in this way that we are, you know, investigating. And, becoming aware of what is going on, you know, what has, you know, what were the causes and conditions which, you know, triggered the hindrance. And then also what are the causes and conditions which, which, you know, help us to step out of it. And then even, you know, what are the causes and conditions help us in future to prevent that the hindrances will arise again. And, you know, when you have time, maybe you can walk out there and, and have a look. They, each one has a little quote from the suttas, and you know it's a, it's the most classic uh, of the um, expositions on the hindrances. It speaks about you know bowls of water, and and I've spoken about that several times, so I don't want to do it again. So please just go out and read it for yourself. <laughs> but it's it's a very very uh, Poignant, you know, and very good at, uh, way of of um, explaining what hindrances are doing, you know, to our minds. And uh, and then there's also another sutta which speaks about, you know, other mind when it's it's free from the hindrances. And there's also very good examples there. Just you know ancient examples, but still they are making it very clear, you know, what is happening. And I just would like to mention those a little bit. You know, when we are, the first of the hindrances, sense desire, being free from that hindrance is like being free from that, that, 
So if you have like a big debt and you know your whole life is about, is is overshadowed by having to kind of find a way of paying it off, you know, and one day you were able to pay it off. This kind of a feeling of, you know, this is what the Buddha mentions as an example when the hindrance of sense desire is is in abeyance or maybe fully, you know, let go of permanently. And then the hindrance of aversion, he compares it with someone who has been ill for a long time and then finally the disease is, is over, is finished with, it won't come back anymore. This is, you know, so being averse or being, you know, easily triggered because there's aversion in the mind is like having an, an illness. And I'm sure, you know, you've experienced, you know, when you were triggered and feel a lot of ill will, how that feels, how sickening that can be. So being free of disease. And then the third one, sloth and topa, is compared with, you know, being, being free from bondage, somebody who was in prison and is, is, you know, released out of prison and comes out into the brightness of the day after having been confined, you know, like in a little space. Uh, this is being free from sloth and topper. And then the next one, restlessness and worry, is compared with being released from slavery. You know, not having to constantly run around and do what, what, the, what somebody else tells you to do. Because it, it can feel like that sometimes, you know, if there's a lot going on, a lot of kind of thinking and planning and worrying, it feels like that. And then the last one, doubt, is, is compared with, you know, coming back home after a, a dangerous journey, maybe a dangerous journey through the desert or where you weren't sure, you know, where you get food from and where you get water from, and then finally, you know, returning home safely. This is being free from doubt. So those, those uh, images, or yes, these classic, you know, images the Buddha used, you know, to, um, you know, describe that, that uh, feeling of, of relief when the hindrances are in abeyance. And because then, you know, the mind can see clearly. And seeing clearly in terms of the scriptures means, you know, knowing what is good for oneself and what is good for others. Or wholesome, let's say, you know, in terms of practice. So when the hindrances are present, we are not clear about that. Because everything, you know, is seen in a kind of distorted way. And things, you know, are easily misread. You know, what the intention of other people is easily misread, or even our own intentions are not clear, you know, because it's all mixed up with sense, desire, aversion, and the, all of the other hindrances. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure each of you can can remember you know situations in your life you know where you made judgments which turned out to about a situation or about a person and so on and 
and then you know, it turned out to be actually not correct. I certainly can remember, you know, a few big ones, you know, which I, I wish I wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the case, but it was, you know. And, but then we can still learn from it, you know, in hindsight, because it's never too late, you know, to learn from any of those uh, experiences. This is even, you know, a great source of learning to, you know, to learn from, you know, making mistakes. Because if we wouldn't make any mistakes, you know, we wouldn't probably learn. So I've certainly learned a lot <laughs> in this way. And some things were really kind of pretty embarrassing, I must say. But it's still better, you know, to wake up to it than, than not. Yes. And, you know, this is how it is if one is dominated, you know, by sense experience. And, you know, all of us, we are, you know, caught up in, in samsara, how it is called, you know, the wheel of becoming. That's, you know, being, being dominated by sense experience and being not able, you know, to see clearly, being completely, uh, you know, under the sway of, of that. And, uh, you know, what, how can we learn, you know, to see through this? You know, and, uh, practicing the Noble Eightfold Path is is the template you know for slowly you know kind of emerging out of this delusional way of interpreting experience because we are under the sway of ignorance and that's just the way it is you know and uh, practicing you know according to this noble eightfold path the why we are practicing, you know, starting with sila, starting with uh, ethics, and then, you know, stabilize, stabilizing the mind, and through this stability, seeing more clearly, and, and, you know, being able to slowly but surely cultivate panya, which is, you know, the Pali word for wisdom. This is why we are practicing, you know, in order to, to cultivate wisdom. And the word wisdom, panya, or prajna in Sanskrit, panya in Pali, you know, it consists of two parts. And um, the f one part is nya, which means to know. And then the, there's a prefix, pa, which means something like before. It gives, gives that word nya like a, a dynamic nuance. And you know, it wants to kind of make very clear that the the wis wisdom is not like a body of knowledge you can learn from, you know, studying a book or like a text. You know, learn it by heart, and then this is not wisdom. This is something else. It's also a necessary, you know, equipment for practicing. We have to have some conceptual knowledge in order to get started. But wisdom is 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 um, a very active quality. It's not something you know which you have stored as a conceptual understanding. 
but we, we are starting, you know, with, with a conceptual understanding. We get information either from books or from, from talks or from, you know, um, study. And then, you know, we have to put it into practice and then it becomes slowly but surely experiential. You know, it starts when we say, you know, we have to integrate what we have been learning. You know, it, we, hopefully, you know, it's going to drop down from the, let's say, from the brain, which we kind of say it's here. And then, you know, it drops down into the heart. This is what is meant, you know, with starting with um, conceptual understanding and then through meditation practice mainly and through other ex life experiences, you know, it starts to become uh, experiential. And then, you know, if we keep on going, it becomes uh, intuitive knowing. It, it becomes a non-conceptual knowing. And this is what is the dynamic quality, you know, of, of wisdom. It's quick, you know. And you don't have to kind of think about it, it because it has become part of your of your being. It's the, the sword of wisdom. And yeah, in the Vajrayana, in the Tibetan Buddhism, they have the Manchushri, you know, which is one of the deities. And, and he is, is depicted you know, with a sword, flaming sword. And that's what's meant. You know, it's, it's a very sharp and fast, because you, you don't need to think. It's just there. Because, you know, it has been cultivated through insight. And insight simply means, you know, having seen the, the three characteristics in your own experience, in the meditation or in other experiences. You know, and those three characteristics, seeing them clearly is liberating because it cuts through ignorance cuts through delusion and then you know slowly slowly this net of delusion you know which is uh, which is around sense experience it slowly slowly gets thinned out you know that's what the purification process is all about and and the the practice is is you could say a purification process you know where the mind gets uh, slowly but surely and sometimes also quick depending you know on, on past life um, cultivation one layer after the next you know is removed and and the scene gets ever more clearly and you know, wisdom is often also compared with uh, in the scriptures you know with the light the light of wisdom and for example aloka vihara aloka means Light of wisdom. And, uh, you know, that's really, you know, what, why we are practicing in order to cultivate that and strengthen that more and more. And, you know, and uh, the meditation practice is about, you know, the, the samatha practice or the, the practice of stabilizing and calming the mind first. And then, you know, insight, vipassana. And insight practice or vipassana <coughs> practice is, is basically about, you know, recognizing the, or seeing the three characteristics and, you know, and 
then depending on how clearly those characteristics are seen, you know, there's different uh, depths of uh, freedom which comes from that seeing. And, you know, they are very, very central to all, all schools of, you know, of insight meditation in all the schools of Buddhism. It's, you know, all schools of Buddhism, all teachings are basically designed in order to drive this home, you know, because that is what is freeing. There is nothing else which is freeing. It's called different names, you know, sometimes, especially this, the third one. So the first one is, is um, impermanence or anicca. You know, seeing everything is arising and ceasing, and sounds you know pretty simple, but it is also actually very very simple, because you know there's nothing whatsoever which is exempt from from being impermanent. Only sometimes it's very difficult to to really trust you know believe in a trust in it. So this is also why it's very important you know. Wisdom alone is not enough, we also need to have faith. Because, you know, wisdom recognizes the real, wisdom recognizes reality. But then, you know, when the going gets tough and the wisdom isn't strong enough, we need faith in order to act on it, you know, to really let go into, into it. So those two work together. Faith is called sada in, in Pali. So Panya and Sada, they are a pair, you know. They, they need to help each other. If we have too much Sada, then, you know, we are very gullible and somebody, everybody can tell us everything and we just follow it. That's not good. But if we have too much, you know, if the investigative mind is too strongly developed and we don't have enough faith, then, you know, we are not... We don't have that weight, you know, in order to cut through. It's like having a very sharp knife, but if it's not very strong, you know, you can't cut something hard. So it needs to have some, some, um, what's that? Um, strength, let's say strength, you know, or, or weight, yeah. So those two, them need to work together. And um, so this fundamental pattern, you know, of all experience, those three characteristics, impermanence or anicca, unsatisfactoriness or dukkha, sometimes also called stressfulness, and suffering it's also called sometimes, but it doesn't sell very well in, in America, so we don't call it suffering. We call it, <laughs> we call it um, I think unsatisfactoriness is good. And, and the third one is um, anatta, or not-self. And uh, sometimes it's also in the, in the others, in the Mahayana schools of Buddhism, it's, it's called emptiness of self. 
and you know and it, it's called not not it's called it's not called non non self but not self so it doesn't say that there is no self because we do experience a self but it is not really a self as my first teacher Arsene Buddhadasa would have said you know you there is you which is not really you <laughs> so it's you know it we do experience ourselves as a separate entity you know in a suffering in the universe or something like that but then if we really look deeper and if we have you know insight into those three characteristics it turns out to conventionally yes you know it it appears to be a self you know a body and the name and a passport and, and and all of that but then really if you start looking into it it just falls apart you know because as we you know we did the guided meditation this afternoon it's actually it's just a coming together of of the elements you know forming this form for a certain amount of time and and there is a mind as well you know which is burdened by karmic formations you know and they and they can slowly but surely be purified through through inside practice so you know once all of that is is gone what is left it's just a coming together of 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 bits and pieces you know for a certain amount of time and there's this very uh, well known um see um then my mind is a bit funny I must admit I'm getting old or something mm-hmm. can't say, say the words um, the simile yeah exactly the simile of the of the chariot you know where there is a, a, or we can say a car because we live in the these times now so you know if you take the a car apart in all its pieces you know and you and they would be laid out in front of me then you know where is the car gone because there's only all of those pieces the the wheels and the doors and the seats and the steering wheel and all different pieces so where is it gone it hasn't gone anywhere because it never really existed it always was just like you know a, an a collection of parts So this is you know how it is to be understood that not self or not car you know it has n- never been a car besides the collection of all its parts and the same you know with with the self you know it has never really been a self besides all of those pieces you know which have temporarily come together <coughs> so that means you know this self doesn't exist from its own side and that that's why it's called not self or empty of a self and there have been millions of very big books written about it so everybody thinks it has to be extremely complicated <laughs> and therefore i can't understand it and i don't even start but actually you know it isn't that complicated in terms of of a conceptual starting point of course you know then really bringing it home into the heart is something else you know because our karmic um, patterns are very powerful you know 
but it's actually not a, a complicated concept. It, it's quite simple. It's just like saying, you know, that any any kind of thing, a body, a car, a house, a tree, a planet, even a universe, you know, doesn't exist from its own side, but it's, it's a collection of smaller pieces or parts, you know, and then we can go down, 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 ever smaller, ever, 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 ever smaller, you know, and then in, at the end what is left is, is just space. And it turns out, you know, to be just like energy. Moving, you know, in, in, in certain patterns, with, in certain speed. And then, you know, creating this whole universe, which our senses experience in the way, you know, we do. But according you know, to the scriptures, there is, is, is different ways, you know, how, how this can be experienced. We in the human realm, you know, we have, we experience things in a, in a very similar way, even, you know, there's differences, you know, between us as well, but generally, you know, we experience things in a quite similar way, but there's also other realms of being, you know, and they share also similarities in how they experience this whatever it is, you know, and uh, it said, you know, that in the human realm, the way, you know, how we live and how we experience is very conducive for, for, in, for, for developing uh, wisdom, because, you know, the, the way how, I mean, not all of us, but quite a few of us have like uh, the you know, the balance between suffering and, and peace, you know, is such that it is, it's conducive for, for practice. And, you know, the Buddha was very clear that, you know, if, if the, the body doesn't have like a certain amount of well-being, then in terms of, you know, having, having enough to eat, having <coughs> enough to drink, it, is, it, will, be, it will be not conducive, you know, for, for having, in, uh, for cultivating inside. And there is even, you know, some examples in the scriptures where people come to, to some, um, you know, when the Buddha gives sermons and, and with his kind of uh, powerful mind, you know, he can see uh, this man, the, you know, he is ready for insight, but he doesn't have enough food, so he asks somebody to give him something to eat before he continues, you know, with his teaching. So because he knows, you know, you need a, a, a like a, a minimum of, of uh, well-being in order to be able to attain, you know, in the way that insight and, and wisdom can come forth. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, that that minimum we all have, you know, here on the retreat. Even, you know, some, uh, the, our personal preferences might not be satisfied, but it's good enough, you know.
and uh, and in, at the same time also you know good enough is 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 also really good for building resilience you know being too dependent on on conditions uh, really weakens the the mind and and the heart and the body you know it's not really such a good thing because then we become very dependent and and easily kind of you know um, upset because things are not as we want them to be. <coughs> so those those three characteristics, you know, they they are liberating and, and depending you know, on our on, on how we how our mind works, one of those three characteristics can speak, you know, it can be more uh, speak more to us. So you know, whichever one of those three you feel like you can relate to, that's the one for you, you know, to to kind of look into. And if if you know if one of the characteristics is really seen clearly, then the other two come along, you know, because they are interdependent, because you know, all phenomena are impermanent, and because of that, you know, they are unsatisfactory. They are. We, they are not relied upon, you know, for <coughs> stability. And because, you know, all phenomena are impermanent and unsatisfactory, they can't be, we can't own them, you know, we can't control them. They are not self. Because they don't exist from their own side and because of that, they can't be owned and they can't be controlled. And you know, even our own body is, is a very good example. You know, we, we don't want to be sick, but we get sick. We don't want to die, but we do die when the time comes. So, you know, those three characteristics, they are very um, simple way, you know, of, of bringing that driving that home and uh, you know in the practice you know when we are for example even you know when you are you know meditating on the just simply paying attention to the body breathing you know in terms of of um, calming the mind at the same time, you know, you also start to understand how about impermanence. Even, you know, if you are not kind of directly looking at impermanence, just by paying attention to the body breathing in order to calm the band, impermanence also, you know, in a, in a very direct way, is slowly but surely, you know, like by osmosis, you know, we start to understand. So, not to underestimate, you know, the, the very simple practice of, of paying attention to the body. At the same time, we, we also, we get some understanding about impermanence. And then, you know, if the, let's say, if the mind has, has become calm to a certain extent, then we can, you know, start pay attention to impermanence, for example. 
And you know, and, and that's like what is meant with cultivating and you know, familiarizing ourselves with it. But just simply, you know, paying attention to the breathing process. And you know, it doesn't sound like very much, but over the, you know, through repetition and over the over the years, you know, it, it has an effect on the mind. And uh, you know, this uh, paying attention, you know, it helps us then, you know, when we, <coughs> let's, let's say, you know, when we're under the influence of any of the, of the hindrances, you know, and, and you know, and then we, we be able, you know, to, to recognize it and then we get sucked into it again and then we come out of it again, we get sucked into it again. And it, it can, you know, sometimes we can, you know, lose heart and think it's, it's never going to change, it's, it's, you know, we are never going to be able, you know, to cultivate, you know, the states, you know, I've read about or I have heard about when these kind of you know moments come up in the practice we can we can reflect on impermanence and it can help us you know to to um, to to step out of this but but just simply you know, reflecting on the simplicity of the practice. It doesn't have to be very complex. It's, it's you know, the power comes with, you know, reflecting on this very three characteristics. And, you know, when, when we are able, you know, to, to kind of pay attention not to the content of the mind, but to the structure of our experience. That is, you know, where the power of the practice lies, paying attention to the structure, you know, paying attention to, to this which permeates all experience with, without any exception. There is no phenomenon whatsoever, you know, we can experience which is not underlying those three characteristics. Even sometimes it doesn't feel like this at all. But this is the but this is the way things are. So you know whenever you you know you you recognize that you're caught up in, in, in the stories of the hindrances and and you are able to you know let go of the content of the story and just look at the structure. The hindrance has a beginning, a middle and an end. And then at that moment, you know, when you when you look at look at your experience in this way, you can't be caught in the hindrance at the same time. And that's a moment of of insight. And that's you know when we are using the obstacles as uh, fruit, you know, as as food for the practice. You know, the obstacles are not you know, in the path, the obstacles are the path. Because there's nothing else, you know, we, we can learn from. 
And I think this is very important to kind of you know, reflect upon. The obstacles are the path. Because you know, sometimes it's like we are thinking, oh, if, if, this wouldn't, if I wouldn't be so tired or if I wouldn't be so greedy, then I would already be much further and uh, everything would be much better. But this, this very tiredness, this very greediness, you can use it you know, as, as, as food for your practice. Because it is impermanent, it is unsatisfactory, and it is not self. It's empty of a self. So that's you know that's the essence of of vipassana practice, to see those three characteristics. And you know the in in the in early Buddhism we speak about the the four stages of enlightenment. And you know and those four stages of enlightenment is a result of seeing very clearly at least one of those three characteristics. You know, and, and see it in such depths, there's a permanent liberation from some part of the ignorance, you know. There's a permanent cutting away of, of some of those uh, parts of this net of delusion, you know, which the unenlightened mind weaves around the experience. And it's only three characteristics. Not many. <laughs> so I think this is what I wanted to share with you today. And you know, don't forget, the obstacles are not in the path, the obstacles are the path. Because there would be, there's nothing else there as, as, you know, as a learning aid. It is all of those uh, experiences which we can penetrate into them and they all have those three characteristics because they're all uh, in the structure, in the basic functioning, they, they display those three characteristics. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.